I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Part 3 Jesus, Our Life Giving Door. In any journey, there is a starting point, destination, and sometimes a detour or two that must be reconciled before a sojourner at last arrives. Before cellular navigation did all the work, travelers relied on the sun, compasses, and paper maps to guide and direct them to their final destinations. In my own life, I have likened these detours to doors, a comparison which inspired my Door Devotion trilogy that's available on Amazon. I explored the side door, a detour into special needs parenting, which landed me far from the red carpet fashion reporting detail that previously occupied my time. Next came the trap door, an exit from the carefree path that landed me in an abyss of angst and confusion. Finally, God ushered me towards the vault door, an entry into the treasure trove of God's precious truths and promises. Any traveler must discern which doors they may throw open, as well as which doors to be avoided. But the one door we need to walk through first before we set on any journey is that of Jesus Christ Himself. It might be daunting to perceive the ruler of the universe as a door, but He is indeed the portal to a life of abundance. In John 10.7, Jesus states outright, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This verse offers a surprising glimmer of hope regarding journeys that are fraught with difficult circumstances. By simply entering through Jesus the gate, we can find respite in His pasture of peace and protection. This kind of divine rest stop reminds me of the scenic turnout signs we would see when we were kids. Inevitably, my dad would want to make time on the road and would rarely veer off course to explore them. We, too, are often pursuing our own agendas, rushing from one destination to the next, but when we enter through the divine door of Jesus Christ, we recalibrate in His restorative pasture. As Christians, we know the final destination of our journey is the one that will transport us to the new Jerusalem. We are promised by God in Revelation 2.10 that if we are faithful to Him, He will give us a crown of life. We can trust that the door of Jesus Christ not only promises peace, it promises an eternal life with the triune God and all who believe in Him. As modern-day believers, we take for granted that this door was always open to us, but in His inimitable grace, God widened the entrance to His kingdom to non-Jews after His Son died on the cross. I love how this act of love is celebrated and recorded in Acts 14.27 after Paul and Barnabas returned to Syria following an evangelistic trip. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared, all that God had done with them, and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. How blessed we are that such a door, the door to salvation, became a welcome passage to a group of non-chosen people previously excluded from entry. Jesus illustrates this in the parable of the ten virgins, found in Matthew 25, 1-13. Here He tells of ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet their bridegroom. Five of the ten prepared with oil in advance, while the other five did not. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Suddenly, at midnight, 
He arrived and called for the ten virgins to meet him. They all rose and trimmed their lamps, but the five unprepared virgins did not have enough oil. They tried in vain to mooch off the prepared virgins. So they departed, the five, setting off to buy more, and those who were ready went into the marriage feast, and the door was shut. After the five who ran the errand arrived much later, they called to the master for him to let them in. But he replied, Truly I say, I do not know you. Jesus concluded with the words, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. The first generation of Jews rejected the Messiah. They did not enter through the door of Jesus. So Jesus warns that the door will be shut on those who do not enter through the door of the Messiah. Where are our eyes? Are they firmly on the destination? Are we entering and remaining in communion with Jesus, the door? Or are we distracted, unprepared, and concerned with things entirely of this world as opposed to what lies beyond? Join me as we focus on the future. I'd like to read now an excerpt from my book, The Side Door, and this entry is entitled, The Cross, Symbols and Significance. Crosses in fashion and design remain iconic. They serve as reminders to Christians of the sacrificial life and death of Jesus, but not everyone who wears one gives its backstory the reverent attention it deserves. Cross symbols actually preceded the crucifixion and were popular symbols in ancient Egyptian and Hindu cultures. The actual wearing of crosses by Christians as symbols of their devotion to their Lord didn't come into practice until about the 3rd century during the rule of Constantine. Today's crosses are worn both with and sadly without intention to convey a higher meaning. In Acts 5, 10, and 13, the cross is described as a tree, using the original Greek word, zulon. Trees are often written about in Scripture. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, rife with forbidden fruit, proved to be the downfall of Adam and Eve. This rebellious act of eating symbolized man acting apart from God, seeking knowledge and not directly giving in to God and, in fact, opposing His will. Tree branches are also discussed in Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Zechariah. They all contain references to the branch, and in Isaiah chapter 11 we read, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch that will grow out of its roots. Today we know and believe in Jesus Christ, our Messiah, and we know He is that root. Jesus spoke of the significance of vines and branches themselves, both living and pruned. In John 15, 1, Jesus refers to Himself as the true vine, and to his Father God as the gardener. In John fifteen six, Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Ironically, while hanging on the cross himself, a hyssop branch laced with sour wine was extended to Jesus for him to moisten his dry mouth. The branch of Jesse refused this, instead taking the full brunt of the torture, on the cross to pay for our sins so our pruned branches could be grafted into his root. Because of this selfless act on the cross, we branches don't need to wither and die off the vine. Jesus earned our redemption on the cross. We can abide in his root. In Romans 11, the branches represent the inclusion of the Gentiles. We read, And you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. The cross continues to remind us we are redeemed and immovable. And the keys to kingdom living are, as a follower of Christ, meditate on and truly ponder the meaning of the cross each time you see one 
and thank your Savior for all he's done. And the doorpost is, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes in. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And that's from Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.